welcome to another episode of the Shot Glass of Recovery with your host Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast Two Sober Chicks. Hey y'all, so real moment here. I do not know how to navigate attraction to the opposite sex very well. I may look like I do. I may look like a cool cat. But inside, I'm just like, all my alarm alarm bells and whistles are going off. I missed my AA online meeting that I was cheering today because I was on the phone with a man. Just going to say it out there. For those women that are listening to this, that were in that meeting, I am so fucking sorry. I cannot believe that I forgot. And then I had to go online with my church at 630 So I just missed the whole damn thing. What can I say? Okay. So I was informed that I was not, in fact, using an Irish accent yesterday. I was using a Scottish accent. And I am sorry. Not because Scottish accents are bad, but just because people tend to get uptight when two very distinct cultures are confused. Like when Canadians and Americans are lumped together, or Australians and New Zealanders are lumped together, or Skyrish, Skyrish, oh my gosh, I just made a new term! Irish and Scottish are lumped together like Skyrish, which they're not. So I'm not apologizing for the fact other than I got the accent wrong and I still stand by the fact that I love an Irish accent. I just don't know how to do one. Uh, I hope I'm not digging myself another hole. I love you, Scots. I really do. And Scottish people wear kilts. And sexy men, sexy beasts men that wear kilts, you're fucking rad. Okay. All right. (laughs) Maybe I should just keep my accents for playtime. So I'm going to read Tradition 6. Now, Tradition 6 is a doozy, y'all. The only other one that's as long is Tradition 9. So I will now read Tradition 6 from the 12 and 12 in the back on page 190. This is the long version followed by the short version we hear in meetings, followed by the reading, followed by thoughts and opinions that are only mine. Okay. I have so much shame right now. Okay. Tradition six. Problems of money, property, and authority may easily divert us from our primary spiritual aim. We think, therefore, that any considerable property of genuine use to AA should be separately incorporated and managed, thus dividing the material from the spiritual. This is so dry. An AA group as such should never go into business. Secondary aids to AA, such as clubs or hospitals, which require much property or administration, ought to be incorporated and so set apart that, if necessary, they can be freely discarded by the groups. This is perhaps the most boring thing I've ever read on here. Hence, such facilities ought not to use the AA name. Their management should be the sole responsibility of those people who financially support them. For clubs, AA managers are usually preferred, but hospitals, as well as other places of recuperation, ought to be well outside AA and medically supervised. While an AA group may cooperate with anyone, such cooperation ought never 
to go so far as affiliation or endorsement, actual or implied. An AA group can bind itself to no one. Let's read the short form and hopefully some kind of explanation as to what the fuck I just read. Okay, step six. Oh, tradition six. Short version. An AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. The moment we saw that we had an answer for alcoholism, it was reasonable, or so it seemed at the time, for us to feel that we might have the answer to a lot of other things. The AA groups, many thought, could go into business, might finance any enterprise, whatever, in the total field of alcoholism. In fact, we felt duty-bound to throw the whole weight of the AA name behind any meritorious cause. Okay, this is way better. Here are some of the things we dreamed. Hospitals didn't like alcoholics, so we thought we'd build a hospital chain of our own. People needed to be told what alcoholism was, so we'd educate the public, even rewrite school and medical textbooks. We'd gather up derelicts from skid rows, sort out those who could get well, and make it possible for the rest to earn their livelihood in a kind of quarantine confinement. Maybe these places would make large sums of money to carry on our other good works. We seriously thought of rewriting the laws of the land and having it declared that alcoholics are sick people. No more would they be jailed. Judges would parole them in our custody. We'd spill AA into the dark regions of dope addiction and criminality. Ooh, this is good. We'd form groups of depressive and paranoid folks. The deeper the neurosis, the better we'd like it. It stood to reason that if alcoholism could be licked, so could any problem. It occurred to us that we could take what we had into the factories and cause laborers and capitalists to love each other. Our uncompromising honesty might soon clean up politics. With one arm around the shoulder of religion and the other around the shoulder of medicine, we'd resolve their differences. Having learned to live so happily, we'd show everybody else how. Why, we thought, our Society of Alcoholics Anonymous might prove to be the spearhead of a new spiritual advance. We might transform the world. Yes, we of AA did dream those dreams. How natural that was, since most alcoholics are bankrupt idealists. Nearly every one of us had wished to do great good, perform great deeds, and embody great ideals. We are all perfectionists who, failing perfection, have gone to the other extreme and settled for the bottle and the blackout. Providence, through AA, had brought us within reach of our highest expectations. So why shouldn't we share our way of life with everyone? Whereupon we tried AA hospitals. They all bogged down because you cannot put AA into business. Too many busybody cooks spoil the broth. AA groups had their fling at education, and when they began to publicly whoop up the merits of this or that brand, people became confused. Did AA fix drunks, or was it an educational project? Was AA spiritual, or was it medical? Was it a reform movement? In consternation, we saw ourselves getting married to all kinds of enterprises, some good and some not so good. Watching alcoholics committed willy-nilly to prisons or asylums, we began to cry, there ought to be a law. AAs commenced to thump tables in legislative committee rooms and agitated for legal reform. 
that made good newspaper copy, but little else. We saw we'd soon be mired in politics. Even inside AA, we found it imperative to remove the AA name from clubs and 12th step houses. These adventures implanted a deep-rooted conviction that in no circumstances could we endorse any related enterprise, no matter how good. We of Alcoholics Anonymous could not be all things to all men, nor should we try. Years ago, this principle of no endorsement was put to a vital test. Some of the great distilling companies proposed to go into the field of alcohol education. It would be a good thing, they believed, for the liquor trade to show a sense of public responsibility. They wanted to say that liquor should be enjoyed, not misused. Misused. Hard drinkers ought to slow down and problem drinkers, alcoholics, should not drink at all. In one of their trade associations, the question arose of just how this campaign should be handled. Of course they would use the resources of radio, press, and films to make their point. But what kind of person should head the job? They immediately thought of Alcoholics Anonymous. If they could find a good public relations man in our ranks, why wouldn't he be ideal? He'd certainly know the problem. His connection with AA would be valuable because the fellowship stood in high public favor and hadn't had an enemy in the world. Soon they'd spotted their man, an AA with the necessary experience. Straight away he appeared at New York's AA headquarters asking, Is there anything in our traditions that suggests I shouldn't take a job like this one? This the kind of education seems good to me and is not too controversial. Do you headquarters folks see any bugs in it? At first glance, it did look like a good thing. What? Then doubt crept in. The association wanted to use our member's full name in all its advertising. He was to be described both as its director of publicity and as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm sorry, this is insane. Of course, there couldn't be the slightest objection. If such an association hired an AA member solely because of his public relations ability and his knowledge of alcoholism. But that wasn't the whole story. For in this case, not only was an AA member to break his anonymity at a public level, he was to link the name Alcoholics Anonymous to this particular educational project in the minds of millions. It would be bound to appear that AA was now backing education, liquor trade association style. The minute we saw this compromising fact for what it was, we asked the prospective publicity director how he felt about it. Great guns, he said. Of course I can't take the job. The ink wouldn't be dry on the first ad before an awful shriek would go up from the dry camp. They'd be out with lanterns looking for an honest AA to plump for their brand of education. AA would land exactly in the middle of the wet-dry controversy. Half the people in this country would think we'd signed up with the dries. The other half would think we'd joined the wets. What a mess! Nevertheless, we pointed out, you still have a legal right to take this job. I know that, he said, but this is no time for legalities. Alcoholics Anonymous saved my life, and it comes first. I certainly won't be the guy to land AA in big-time trouble, and this would really do it. Concerning our endorsements, our friend had said it all. We saw, as never before, that we could not lend the AA name to any other cause than our own. I think that's really excellent. Didn't start out very promising. But I do believe a lot of things that were said in that chapter. Uh, Society at large could learn from how well we run things. 
But I think we run things so well because we know the parameters of our responsibility. We know our singleness of purpose and we know we are responsible to no one but our higher power and our fellowship. So I think it was genius that Tradition 6 maintained that AA should be its own entity and not attached to anything else. Um, I'm actually, funny enough, what came to mind when this came up was I am starting a, I'll call it a prayer group, but it's not prayer as in like a Christian prayer group, although it may go that way. But what a friend of mine in Tennessee and I have done is we are starting at the grassroots level, whiteboarding and coming up with a women's prayer group, which could very easily turn into men's prayer groups too. But the genius behind it is how we're organizing it. It's very similar to how AA runs, which is one hour in and out. This small prayer group is women serving women, and then hopefully in the future, the men's groups will be men serving men. And it will be based upon the notion that only, just like alcoholics, one alcoholic talking to another um, recovers us. One alcoholic talking to another can only really know how the other feels in their journey. And the same thing with moms and wives and girlfriends and boyfriends and husbands and partners and all that other stuff. So the point is that it's a registration once a month. You go to these meetings, you ask how you can serve and pray for another person, and then you check in on that person every week. You partner up or you pick out of a hat. I mean, like I said, we're just at the brainstorming idea. But because of my experience in AA and because of singleness of purpose and the way the groups run and how we do not govern, all of our people are servants, I am able to already have a structure that I think could very easily be implanted into the structure of something different. AA obviously will not be affiliated, but the one hour in and out, the level of service to each other where nobody governs. And then materials that show people how to do their own. So hopefully these prayer groups will pop up all over the world, Um, all over the city first, then maybe the province or the state, and then maybe the country. But it's people serving other people because we live in a time right now with such division. And we're not banding together as human beings crying out for love in great need of support. And I've often wanted people that I know in... The, in our fellowship to have access to something like we have. And so if I can impart any wisdom from how AA is run and the traditions into something that will be well served by these parameters, by these morals and by these ethics, I just hope it will take root and it will grow into something where we are coming together as human beings and not being divided by beliefs or colors, or socioeconomic status, or religion, or any of those other things. My great hope for humanity is how is for us to see this ploy of all of these distractions of racism, of prejudice, of 
anything else that divides us as a very dark plan. If you want to call it spiritual warfare, you can call it spiritual warfare. If you want to call it human ego or humanity's flaw or our dark natures or whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, is pulling us further and further away from who we are, which is a race of people on a planet where we need each other. We're community people. We need to be in relation with each other. And I really do believe that love can heal all wounds. So the more people in your network that are praying for you, that are serving you tea, that are washing your feet in a metaphorical sense, the better. And I think we do that really brilliantly in our rooms. It's really a love that I think can solve many problems. And if I can take one idea, one little mustard seed of an idea that was planted in me because of my participation in this fellowship, I want to give it forward and hope to see us all unite together as brothers and sisters. So that may be the most political thing I ever say on this podcast, but I think it's worth saying. So if you need prayer, if you need support, you can email me or Lisa at the number two soberchicks at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the same handles. And I hope you are well. If you are here, stay. If you've gone away and you've come back, welcome back.